0: If you have your Bibles with you, open up to Romans chapter 6. And it is a tall task to try to um, go through that full text that I'm, I'm going to go through tonight. It's verses 1 through 14. Um, there's just so much gospel truth in here. But I'm going to get started. I'm going to jump right in um, and begin reading. So hopefully you're there already. In Romans 6, 1 through 14, we're going to read through it, we're going to pray, and then we're going to dive right into it. All right, so verse one says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? Verse two, by no means. How can we who died in sin still live in it? Verse three, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Verse four, we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the death, From the dead, by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Verse 6. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. So that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Verse 7. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if you have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. Verse 9, we know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. Verse 10, for the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. Verse 11, so you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Verse 12, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Verse 13, do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. And verse 14, for sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law but under grace let's pray dear heavenly father god we just pray tonight that as your word is is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto the unto our path god that you would just speak through me lord let your words resonate god let scripture resonate god give us ears to hear tonight and I pray that you would be glorified, God, that you would be honored throughout this entire service, God. I pray that even if some of this is a reminder to us, God, that we would be reminded of it and we would take it to heart, God, that we would put this into a practice, God, what we see here in the scriptures, God, and that we would live this out, God, that it's not just head knowledge, God, but that we would actually live this out in our daily lives, God. Help us, Lord, to live lives that honor you, God to live lives. God, that bless you, Lord. We thank you for this. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen. Well, I normally don't just jump right into a a chapter of the Bible. I mean, we're in Mark 10 now in in youth group on Wednesday nights, and just side note, keep sending your kids to youth group. I think that the more that uh, someone is under the preaching of the word of God, the better, Amen. So I just, I just, man, that was just on my heart, and just a lot of us, we do, we send our kids, but man, send them, invite kids. They need to hear the truth of the gospel. They need to hear the biblical truth all the time, as much as possible. They, they must be saturated with God's word. So um, that's just a side note that has nothing to do with the message tonight, but just throwing that out there because they're on my heart. But the book of Romans, we start in. Uh, chapter 6 and i don't know about you but my bible says dead to sin alive to god this this is talking about believers and, and paul really throughout this whole book um he really has this it's this extended presentation of gospel truth i mean gospel truth is just littered throughout this book i mean romans 1 for i am not ashamed of the gospel it is the power of god for salvation to everyone who believes right amen can I get an amen? Amen. Right. We see gospel being presented, and Paul just—I mean—he goes throughout this whole book, and a main, one of the main points in this in this letter to the Romans is justification. Is justification, justification by faith. Yes, Paul talks about us. Uh, In chapter 3, about the unrighteousness of humanity and and how before Christ, we were just completely dominated uh, by sin. And everybody, everybody without Christ is, is guilty. The whole world is guilty. That's the verdict. The verdict is guilt. You are guilty. That's the verdict. That no one escapes that verdict. And in Romans 3, 9 and 10, he says, both Jews and Greeks are all under sin as it is written, there is none righteous, not even one. And then in verse 23, he says, for all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. And then right after that, he starts really talking about this justification by faith in which this letter continues to point back to, continues to point back to. But to kind of sum that up, um, Paul's really teaching that that sinners, right, us who have sinned and fallen short, as we saw there in verse 23, sinners can have a righteous standing before our holy God. We can be justified before God because of his righteousness that was credited to our account. Not because of us, because of Christ's righteousness imputed, credited to our account, credited to our lives nobody earns it it's not something that's achieved it's received it's truly a free gift it's something that's given to us there's nothing in it of ourselves that that stands out of god that says up you know what i'm gonna choose him he's fantastic look at his grades in school look he, he memorized all the scriptures no it's purely by the grace of god by the grace of god it is clearly purely a free gift of god's grace nobody can earn it Our best, our best, our very best is filthy rags to God. It's funny because the world religions, they, I talked about this a little bit on Wednesday, they set this standard, right? They set this standard in all these other false religions and they say, if you do X, Y, and Z, you can meet that standard. Christianity is different because it says you cannot meet that standard. You're not good enough. There's nothing in it of yourself that you can do to achieve that. We need God for that. And that's why Christ, it's so, it's so huge. We need Jesus. We need Jesus. We are justified by faith, by faith. And so Paul really talks about this. It's not our works. We can't measure up. There's nothing in us that can measure up. And then he talks about uh, here in chapter six, he, he really starts to talk about our sanctification, right? We're justified, right? If we are in Christ, we've been justified. And then we're being sanctified throughout life. And then eventually we're The glorification part. So in between justification and glorification, we're in this sanctification part. And really, he talks a lot about about that here. He gives us these just practical ramifications of of really of justification here. And he begins in verse 1 with this question. And it is a rhetorical question. Okay? There is an answer. And he answers immediately. This is a rhetorical question. Verse 1. I'll read it again. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? Back a chapter before, he talks about the first Adam and the second Adam and how in the first Adam there's, there's sin, there's death, there's judgment. In the second Adam, which is Christ, there's life, there's grace. And you're, you're in one of those two groups. You're in one of those two groups. And before we were in the, the first Adam, sin dominated us. Sin reigned in our lives, but now that we have been grafted into God's kingdom, God's kingdom, grafted into Christ, grace reigns now. Grace reigns. Sin used to reign, but now grace reigns in our lives. Grace reigns over the sin. It says that as sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. Grace abounds all the more. So what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace? may abound right should i continue to just keep on sinning and sinning and sinning and living in this sinful perpetual lifestyle because i mean he's going to forgive me there's going to be grace right more grace right is that the way this thing works and what's paul's immediate response i love it It it's just immediate don't gloss over it he says by no means what does that mean it means by no means Right? It means never. Let it not be. Uh, uh, It's a really strong response here. This cannot be absolutely not. Uh, My two-year-old, for some reason, she's picked up that phrase, absolutely not. She doesn't just say no. She says, absolutely not. I don't know. I don't think it's because of this, but she does say that. She's just like, absolutely not. So, but he's saying, absolutely not. This cannot be. We can't continue once we've been saved, continue in this, in this, this same lifestyle of sin. We don't have the same relationship to sin uh, before, as we did in our old man, as we did in our old life before Christ. No. No. We, we don't sin at that same level to that, to that same degree. And, and as when we're saved, salvation brings transformation. It brings transformation. There's transformation. There's change that happens in your life. So are we to continue in sin that grace may abound and the heart will lie to you and and the flesh will try to tempt you in this way and you'll be tempted by the things of this world? Well, I'm I'm going to be forgiven. Do I continue in sin that grace may abound? No, absolutely not. May it never be so. And up to, to this point, really, Paul hasn't laid out, like, commands up to this point. He hasn't given really any actual commands up to this point. It's all really just been, like, the reality of the gospel, right? Just the truth of, uh, and the reality of the gospel. It's about us understanding um, salvation and justification. So are we to continue in this? And so let's go back to the text. And he says in verse 2, By no means how can we who died still live in it? He, and then he begins to point to this baptism, this, this first baptism. He says, we who are dead to sin can no longer live in sin. And then he defines this, and he's pointing to this word baptism. And verse 3, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? Verse 4, we were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. So Paul here, he's... he's He's using this word to describe um, Christians, uh, to describe people who've trusted in Christ. He uses this word baptism. And right off the back, when you think of baptism, I mean, I think of water baptism. I, I think a lot of us genuinely think about water baptism right off the back. But that word there in the Greek, um, it means to immerse. To immerse. So the, the idea there is to immerse. And so Paul's saying, you've been baptized into Christ, you've been immersed into Christ. Again, we're thinking of this water baptism, baptism, but also there's this symbolic usage here. We're connected to, we're associated with, um, united with. Uh, there's this union with. I don't know if you've ever been immersed in something. Um, I used to, I used to uh, hear this saying. It's like uh, leaders are readers. Uh, you know, I would really immerse myself in books. Right? You're immersed, just immersed in a book. Um, I was really immersed in some hobbies. Basketball, I loved basketball. I still do. Um, and just would immerse myself in basketball. And there's this idea when you're immersed into something that you become really associated with that thing. Like you're part of that group, right? Like for basketball, it's like, oh, there's the ballers, right? You're a baller. You know, you're immersed into this thing. There's this kind of this union with, with that group. You've joined that group. But on a deeper level, on a spiritual level, We've been immersed into Christ as Christians. We've been hidden with Christ in Christ. You've been united with Christ. You've been baptized into Christ. You've been joined with him. Amen. You've been joined with him. You've been joined with him. And just know that if you are a Christian tonight, your justification, that's an accomplished fact. That is a done deal. That is, if God has justified you, that is a done deal. That is a done deal. But again, we've been baptized. We've been transferred from, from death into life. From death into life. We've been united with Christ. And he says that in verse 5, for if we have been united with him, right? We're united with Jesus in his life. We share in it. His life and our lives are connected as believers. They're connected. And then he talks about, how those things are connected, how it's connected. And one thing he says is his death, his death, his death has led to your death. Now, I think we're, we're still breathing in here, right? Our hearts are still pumping. We're still physically alive here, right? So, like, what is he, what is he talking about here? And I also want just, to just put this as a side note. When, when, when we die, when we share, I'd rather share in the death of Christ than then than die and, and be in hell forever for eternity amen there's, there's only two options here right first adam second Adam. there's only two options here but he says that we we share in his in his death and i don't know about you but dead dead things are usually buried right right buried he uses the word buried there that we are buried as well the old man's been buried so we, we are associated with him In his death, but also, he says in verse 5, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. He says in verse 4, in order that Christ, just as Christ has been raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. So, as Christians, we share in his death, but also in his Resurrection. We've been joined with Jesus. We've been joined with Christ. Just as Christ died and he rose again. If you're a believer, you've died, past tense, your old self, it's died. And you've been raised from the dead, from death to life. You've been made alive in Christ. Amen? You've been made alive in Christ. You've had your own resurrection. Something only Christ could do you have this newness of life you have this new life verse five again so that you might walk in newness of life so that we would walk in newness of life the christian message is also one of life change right our lives are different they're different turn to your neighbor and tell them you're different And not in the sarcastic way. They they take these sometimes in a sarcastic way to say it in a different way. No, but we are different, right? It's not like our mindsets have just changed or we just added Jesus to what we're kind of doing already, right? It's not just like a new outlook or a new perspective on things. No, we're a brand new person. We're a whole new person. We're brand new. We're different now. We're different. In John 3... Uh, verse 3, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He cannot see the kingdom of God. We must be born again. And when we're in Christ, we are a, a new person. Second Corinthians 5.17, one of my favorite verses, literally in all of scripture. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, believers, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new person. Creation. He is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. It's not, it's not talking you're just about like circumstances being changed. And trust me, I love circumstances that are changed, and especially when they're beneficial, right? It's awesome, fantastic. No, but even more than that, you are new. You have been changed from the inside out. You are a brand new creation. He changes you from the inside out amen amen so just this question again are we to continue in sin so that grace may abound well everything i'm seeing here is saying absolutely not as paul's reminding us of who we are in jesus of our identity in christ he keeps reminding us and he talks about us being baptized into christ he talks about us sharing in his death and sharing in his resurrection Our old self is dead. Galatians 2.20, it says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That old man has been crucified. That old self has been crucified. He's been put to death. He's been put to death. And again, we are no longer under uh, the dominion, we're no longer being ruled and reigned by, by, by sin. We're not under the reign of sin anymore. Romans 5.12 says, death spread through all men because all have sinned. All have sinned. All were under sin, according to Romans 3.9. All were under sin. Sin had dominion. Sin, sin was the one calling the shots, right? Sin was the one calling the shots. Sin was the one that, w- that was ruling. In Ephesians 2, it says that we were dead in our sins. That we had no spiritual life whatsoever. We had no spiritual life whatsoever. Whatsoever. We lived like the world, and we we wanted to live like the world. We wanted to. We wanted to. Sin ruled and sin reigned. Sin was the one calling the shots. But look how Paul says here in Romans 6. He uses even stronger language here in verse 6. He says... We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. He uses enslaved, this word enslaved. Like we were slaves to sin. Now I I do want to side note, another side note here. He starts off by saying we know that, right? We need to know (laughs) what the word of God says. We need to know what scripture says. We need to know, okay? Just that's a side note, but we must know. We need to know. And how do you know? You got to get in God's word. Again, we need to know. But again, he uses this word slave. So now that we're Christians, are we still servants of sin? No, no. We've been set free from, from sin. In, in Romans uh, 6.18, further on, we're not going to get into that, but it's the passage where it says slaves to righteousness. We're no longer slaves to sin, but we are slaves to righteousness, we're not bound to sin, we're bound to righteousness. Amen. We've been transformed, and it's so crazy how this world out there will say, Look at you guys, you have to submit to someone else. You, you can't just live free, right? You can't just live a life of freedom. You have to follow these rules in here. They see it as rules, right? And it's so funny what Jesus look what Jesus says in, in John 8:34. Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. They're they're enslaved to sin. The world is enslaved to sin. Those without Christ are are enslaved to sin. Sin is this this evil taskmaster that's ruling in in, in destructive ways. And I know we've seen in our lives and in our family's lives, our friends' lives, coworkers' lives, just the destruction that sin brings. Right? We've seen it. There's multiple examples we could go through in our own lives. Jesus said, again, in John 8:34, those who practice sin are slaves to sin. And we see that manifested all throughout in this world. And the thing about sin, and I tell the young people all this time, it makes false promises. It promises you something, and it never comes through. It never follows through on that promise. It always leaves you hanging. It always leaves you wanting more. It never leaves you satisfied that's what sin does that's what sin does and that's what we were dominated by before we're in christ jesus i I put this down in my notes i put sin gives false advertisements right it gives false promises it really does it truly does but our our, again here in uh, verse six we know that our old self was crucified it's dead that old slave to sin self it is dead it's been buried That self that was dominated by sin. No, now we're dominated by God's grace. Meaning, since we are no longer dominated by sin, sin no longer has dominion on us. It doesn't have a claim to our lives anymore. We don't have to obey sin. We don't have to obey sin. We don't have to do it. We don't have to do it. Before Christ, we had to. We had no choice but to obey sin. But now, as we've been saved and transformed, we've made a new creation... We have new desires in our heart. We don't have to obey sin. You don't have to. You don't have to obey sin. We don't have to listen to sin who was calling the shots. No, we've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. We've been baptized with Christ. We've been united in Christ. Verse 10 says, for the death he died, he died to sin. When Jesus lived here in this, in, on earth in this realm that was dominated by sin, he died, he rose again, and now he's ascended, seated at the right hand of God. Right now, he defeated it. He defeated death. He defeated death. He broke the power of sin. He broke the power of sin. Sin no longer dominates you, Christian. It no longer dominates you, Christian. It's no longer your master anymore. We have a new one. We're slaves of righteousness. We have been set free in Christ from sin. Amen. That's what verse 7 says. Is that what it says in the Bible, in your Bible? Verse 7 For the one who has died has been set free from sin. There's freedom in Christ. Again, we have no obligation to obey sin. We don't have to obey it anymore. We're citizens of the kingdom. Amen. We're citizens of the kingdom. We are truly citizens. Of the kingdom. We've been set free. We've been set free. Sin no longer has a claim or binding authority over you. You You're no longer trapped in sin. You're no longer trapped in sin. You have been freed. Take that to the bank. But what are we free to do? Is the freedom a different answer to, to verse one? Are we to continue in sin? Is that the freedom he's talking about? Not at all. Not at all. He already said no. Not at all. Absolutely not. We are free to obey. Right? When you're a believer, the spirit of God indwells us. Right, We have the spirit of God inside of us. And now we are free to obey. Now we can obey Christ. We can obey Christ with the spirit of God empowering us, helping us to do this. Verse 8 says, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We get to live with him and also live like him. What, what does that mean? For the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he now lives, he lives to God. So this freedom that we gain, this freedom that we, that, that we now have, we, it's a freedom to obey, a freedom to please the Lord, a freedom to obey God, freedom from sin, that old taskmaster, freedom to obey God. We, we get freedom, we're given freedom and, and new life. And I love the way it says there, once for all. Christ died once for all. He broke the power of sin once for all. He died, and God raised him from the dead. And when he rose from the grave, he broke the dominion of sin and its power. He he conquered death. Christ has conquered death. It was a, a decisive victory. He has the victory. Amen? Once for all. Once for all. And if the good news of, of the gospel, if you place your trust in Christ, you sh- again, you share in this with him, that he's paid for your sin, that he has paid for that penalty, past, present, and future sins. Past, present, and future sins. And, and, and not only is it a blessing in that one-time sacrifice because he died for our forgiveness that we gain forgiveness in christ a permanent forgiveness in christ but also that freedom there is permanent too you can rest assured you can be secured in your salvation tonight if you're truly in christ you can be you can be rest assured and be secure in christ tonight again we don't have to serve sin any longer now does that mean that we don't sin no We still sin, right? We still fall short. Do y'all still fall short? Do y'all still sin? I do. Am I the only one? No. Again, when we're freed, we're freed from sin's reign, but still there's a presence of sin still there, right? These bodies are still here, right? We still haven't been glorified yet, right? No, we still sin, and we're still going to struggle with sin in this life, but it is not a master over us. It does not reign over us anymore. The power of sin has been broken, and there's freedom in Christ. The Bible says that Jesus, he says, whomever the sun sets free is free indeed, right? Whoever the sun sets free is free indeed. And we don't have to walk in these sinful lifestyles anymore. We've been freed from sin. That's who you are in Christ. That is part of your identity in Christ. There's finality there. You died. The old person died there was a spiritual funeral. It's not coming back. It's not coming back. You're no longer dominated by that old self. You've been baptized. You've been united with Christ. And then in these last few verses in 11 through 14, he starts to put the commands out here. Paul starts to throw the commands out. He says, the first one, he says, consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God. Consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God. We have to remember our identity here. Who we are in Christ. Consider. Is, is he talking about being considerate? No. He's saying consider. Think about eh, this idea of categorizing. This, this, this idea of accounting. It's how we think. You must consider yourself dead to sin. It's an actual reality, but you gotta know it too. You gotta consider it. You gotta consider it. You gotta suppose it to be fact, because it is fact. It is gospel truth. It is fact it is fact it's so interesting that paul says that there he commands us here he says these things are true but you need to remember they're true you need to consider these things you need to reckon that your old self that 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 sinful self that all it could do is sin and serve sin that is dead and gone that is dead and gone we have life in christ we've been made alive in christ we have died to sin There was a spiritual funeral there. We don't have to live a life in perpetual continuation of sin that grace may abound. We don't have to live this way. And again, we are going to sin, but God has grace. God has grace. We're not dominated by it anymore. It doesn't reign over us anymore. So he's telling us, yes, there's all this truth. There's all this spiritual truth. And you know this. You must know these things that you're dead to sin, so live like it as well. Live like it. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, it says in verse 12, to make you obey its passions. Verse 13, do not present your members as instruments for unrighteousness. Verse 14, for sin will have no dominion over you. Sin will have no dominion over you. Paul's pushing us toward a walk in holiness. We are to pursue holiness. We are to walk in holiness. Do not present and present. He uses here. Romans 12, Paul talks about presenting our bodies as living sacrifices, as living sacrifices, offering up. And I would question you in this type of language here. Every single day, am I offering up myself to sin or am I, or am I offering up, am I presenting myself to God? With my actions, uh, do I with my actions, with my, my conversations, with my interactions with others, with my screen time, do I present myself to sin as my master today or do I present myself to God as my master? Do I present my members to sin or do I present them as instruments to God? And that word there, that word instruments there, it's a word used for weapons. And a weapon doesn't do what it wants to do. It doesn't do what it wants to do. It's in the hand of another. And the question really is, who do you belong to? And we know that answer, right? If we're in Christ, who do we belong to? We belong to Jesus. Are you surrendered to God? Are you surrendered to Jesus? You see how foolish it is to think like we've been forgiven. We've been set free from these things. And then to turn around and, and say, today, I offer myself up to sin. Do as you please. It's, not, it's a contradiction of who we are. It really is a contradiction of who we are. It doesn't make sense. And, and that's also the lie that autonomy brings, right? Live however you want. You're, 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 you lead your own life. Follow your heart. Now, oh, what are you doing with your life, Christian? How are you presenting yourselves? And then I love how he says, Do not present your members as sin uh, to sin as instruments of unrighteousness. So, knowing that we're still going to sin, do we just throw our hands up and say, forget this? Like, what am I going to do with this? Absolutely not. We are to put sin to death. Romans 8 13, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. And then in Colossians 3 through 10, I'm not going to read it all. It talks about putting to death. Again, putting to death sin. We must mortify sin. In that Colossians passage, it's it's intentional action being used. There's intentional action. It's like active, deliberate action. It's not just this passiveness. It's not this passiveness. No, it says we must continue to put death to sin. We must choke it out. We must starve it. And this can only happen by what? By the Spirit of God, we saw in Romans 8.13. It's only by the power of the Holy Spirit. You can't do it in it of yourself. You need, you can only do this. With the power of the Holy Spirit. We are not to just be passive about it. We're not to be lazy about this thing. We are not to, we are not to just tolerate sin in our lives. That's not the Christian. We are not to do this. We're commanded to put it to death, to mortify sin. And and this this thing is a is a lifelong, is a lifelong thing. That's part of sanctification. Part of sanctification is us actually doing something about it as well with the power of the Holy Spirit with the power of the Holy Spirit. We need Jesus. So if there's sin in your life, don't hide it. Don't, don't be in denial. Of it. Deal with it. Deal with it. Bring it to God. Confess that sin. Repent of that sin in your life. Forsake that sin. And by the means of grace and the power of the Holy Spirit, choke that thing out. Don't let it fester. Don't let it live in your life. Bring it to the feet of Jesus. Bring it to the feet of Jesus. Put it to death in your life. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness. Don't compromise. Kill it. Uproot it. And there's no middle ground in this, right? Was there a third family that that they talked about? Was it Adam and some other family and then the second Adam? No. It's the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light, right? There's only two families there. There's only two families there. And if you are in Christ tonight... If you are in Christ tonight, how am I presenting my members? How am I presenting my body every day? Is it to sin? Is it to God? Again, remember who you are in Christ. You've been set free. Do we have any free people in this place tonight? Come on. You've been set free. Free to obey. Free to obey Christ. Free to obey him. To obey him. Again, we are no longer slaves to sin. We've been transformed. The power of sin has been broken. And we can walk in freedom that Christ has provided us. Amen? Amen. 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 Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for the, for the truth of, of the word of God. I pray, God, that we continue, God, just to, to dive into your, into your word, to be immersed in this, in the word of God. That we would immerse ourselves in the truth of God's word. That your spirit, God, would continue to work in our hearts, God. That we would continue, God, to be sanctified. We would continue to to be conformed to you, Lord Jesus. That we would be made more Christ-like every single day, God. That we would present our members, God, to you. That we would be fully surrendered, God all of our faculties, all of our being fully surrendered to you, Lord Jesus. God, and if there's sin in our lives, God, that that, that we just seem like we can't get over, God, let us remember who we are in Christ. Let us remember that we have been freed from the bondage of sin. Let us remember that the power of sin has been broken by you, Lord, and that we share in that because we have been baptized in you. We have been immersed in you, God, and we lay that sin at your feet tonight, Lord. We lay it down at the feet of Jesus and we choose to present ourselves to present everything in us God to you God God so that we would chase after holiness we would pursue righteousness God and that we would live a life that desires to obey you Lord give us this type of heart God and let this heart also get out of these four walls that we may bring it to the world God that we may bring the gospel to the world God and point people to you to Jesus Thank you, Jesus, for your word.